On this episode of the Born in 87 podcast, friend of the pod, John Hill comes on to discuss the trade value of Sam Darnold, as well as many other players on the 2020 Jets. We recorded this pod on Sunday morning, October 18th, prior to the Jets-Dolphins game, and while nothing that happened in that debacle of a game we think really affects the trade value of any of the players on the Jets, we do want to note that we recorded this prior to finding out that Steve McClendon was traded. We are happy for McClendon as the Jets seem to be doing right by a veteran and giving him a chance to win by sending him to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Also, we have an announcement at the Born in 87 podcast. In the next couple of weeks, we are going to be doing our first crossover pod as we are going to be doing a cross pod with the End of the Bench show. The End of the Bench show is another Long Island-based sports podcast, and we are really excited to record with them. We really like what they do, and we're big fans of their podcast. You can listen to their podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and also follow them on Instagram at the underscore end of the bench, or on Twitter at the EOTB. For now, though, enjoy this episode of the Born in 87 podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Born in 87 podcast. That audio you heard at the top was from Mark Sanchez's performance singing Imagine Dragons on this week's edition of The Mass Singer. So Adam, can you still hate Mark Sanchez this much after that just epic performance on The Mass Singer? I mean, wow. Why did you send that to me? I really, I could have died not having ever watched that. Like, so I have a lot of questions. So first, was he the puppeteer of the weird little rocket thing? Yes, he was the puppet. Not only was he singing, he was m- managing the puppet. So has he always been into puppets, you think? Or is this a new thing he's gotten into? I don't know. I think my favorite part was... You so had a favorite part? On the my whole part? The whole thing was my least favorite part. <laughs> You enjoy, you really you well, felt good about our society after watching that where a former football player sings you know controlling I a puppet during a pandemic. A, I this thought, is like yes, we're I thought winning. He, I thought he carried a very nice tune. Uh, everyone seemed to really like his performance. He fooled all the experts on who he was, and I think maybe my favorite part is that when he was giving clues so that the panel could guess what celebrity was singing there was reference to that he really likes hot dogs justin do you remember the south park episode where cartman is a <laughs> robot and he's in a room and he's just spit firing adam sandler movie ideas is yes. that how the idea for the mass singer came up like, what was if we had a singing show where people are wearing masks and they're singing badly and people will really enjoy it like who is this show for who would- but it's all celebrities it and why is Mark Sanchez a celebrity? Who, do you think any of the people in the audience are like, wow, Mark Sanchez, I remember him. I, I just, this isn't for me. I don't get it. And I think it's awful. Um, but I guess good for Mark Sanchez. Hey, he said he was doing it for his son. Oh, well, that's great. I'm not mad at him for doing it. I'm just, I don't, I don't, I just, <laughs> I just don't understand. It's, this is not for me. People wearing masks singing is not for me. Also, Imagine Dragons. Funny story. Jess and I don't really enjoy concerts. We enjoy going to bed at like 9.30 most nights. But right before our kids are born, we're like, what, do we, what should we do for our anniversary present? Let's go to an Imagine Dragons concert. <laughs> Neither one of us likes Imagine Dragons. It was it was unpleasant. We left early and we were tired the next day. I, all right, that's enough. All right, we have a special guest, Justin. <laughs> yes, we do. John Hill is joining us on the pod today. Uh, John Hill, how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing great. Living the dream. I'm wearing a, uh, a tie-dyed New York Jets hat, which I'm really excited to bust out for, for today's game. You know, it's uh, the only thing that can get me excited about the Jets is is covering it in tie-dye. So, you know, that, that's where I am right now. 
What, what about Mark Sanchez's performance on The Masked Singer? Did that did that uh, make you relive the glory days of being a Jet fan? <laughs> Have there, were there ever glory days of being a Jets fan? Justin? I refer to the glory days. days as I refer to the glory days as the back-to-back AFC Championship no. games with uh, Mark Sanchez. That's the glory days. You know, Justin, I heard originally that Mark Sanchez was supposed to sing "Sex Is on Fire" by Kings of Leon. Uh, oh, that boy. was going to be. Isn't I, I? I seem to recall that's one of your favorite all-time For our songs. Audience, they don't know. <laughs> Justin is a is a big Kings of Leon fan. He's gone to how many concerts at this point? Like eight or nine. Um, <laughs> That would have been probably your best. You I mean you still love Mark Sanchez? So Mark Sanchez singing your favorite song of all time would have just probably. I don't know. Would you? You probably would have like lost your mind. You would have been so excited. I, I actually okay. So I actually think that's the one thing Mark Sanchez could have done that would have made me forever hate Mark Sanchez. For the for those of you that don't know, uh, I have an irrational hatred why of Kings of Leon. I think you they're love, the worst band you to love ever. Them. It's your favorite. Why are you? This is a really weird thing to be doing, uh, Justin. You have a giant it's, Kings of Leon tattoo on your back, Justin. <laughs> You've been to more Kings of Leon concerts than anyone else I know. Why are you making this joke? Do they? I, do they do concerts? Do they do con? Yeah, I thought when when list. they go on stage, what, they we, just fight got, with each other this, and then leave the in. stage. Right. So, <laughs> well, it's clear that the Jets are tanking. It's clear the Jets are auctioning off everyone on their team. So we thought it'd be fun to have John on to go through the trade value of uh, some of their players. Is there anything else you guys wanted to add about what we're doing today? Just want to say, John. Of uh, of all our friends that root for the Jets, I feel like John. He's he's always been great, really great at evaluating uh, a evaluating talent and b understanding uh, how contracts work in the NFL. The NFL is notoriously tricky when it comes to you know just understanding contracts and the cap. And we thought, what better person to have on to you know talk about the possible trade value of a lot of the current Jets as we approach the uh, trade deadline than Mr. John Hill. But before we do that. John is a diehard Jet fan, which means we have to bring him into the tortured fan corner and find out what is the memory that John wants to share today. So, you know, I thought about this. There's a lot of tortured memories to choose from, uh, which is one of the wonderful benefits of being a New York Jets fan. Uh, but one that really stands out to me. So I've only been to the NFL draft uh, once in my it's life more than but when it was at Radio are. City. That, right. Okay, fair. But I say only because it was, I mean, I love the draft. It is my Christmas. As a Jets fan, it's like the only day of the year that feels like there's some positivity right before the Jets pick, right? Once the Jets pick, everything goes to crap. But before the Jets pick, there's this hope springs eternal moment. And so 2012, I went to the draft. I waited in line with one of, uh, one of my friends who's a big Buffalo Bills fan. We met the commissioner. It was great. We have great seats. And in line, we were chatting with this reporter for the Village Voice. Um, and, you know, the Village Voice doesn't exist anymore, but at the time it was still a for real newspaper and he was there to cover the draft and was, you know, because it's in New York, it was going to be, if not on the cover of the voice, it was going to be like a big deal for, for you know, for their publication. Um, and it turns out he's sitting right in front of us when you get inside um, and, you know, the Jets are on the board. So, again, it's 2012. The Jets, everyone's been projecting they're either taking an offensive lineman or they're taking an outside linebacker. And Melvin Ingram is, is the, you know, the, the bell of the ball among the outside linebackers. He's going to go in the top 10. He's going to go in the top 15. Jets are picking 16, and he's still on the board. It's, this is Christmas come early. Melvin Ingram's got to be the pick, right? No, the Jets go off the board. They take Quinton Copels, and I <laughs> grab my head, and you can't say I'm doing it. I grab my head, and, like, I'm about to bend over in, like, pain, right? Just prostrate. Just I feel the, the universe has ripped victory from from me once again, except there's the village voice uh, photographer who realizes that this is a disaster and turns to take a picture of me in my moment of woe. <laughs> and so I'm a, and at the last second I spin out of the way. So I'm backwards so that he doesn't get a picture of me cringing. And instead he turns and takes a picture of another jets fan, which ends up on the front of the village voices website. The next day, this jet fan just, you know, in shock and uh, upset. And I just very narrowly avoided being a meme, essentially, you know, having my my Jets fandom, you know, the the torture that comes with it, um, memorialized forever by the Village Voice. So that one really stands out as like, you know, there's that moment of jubilation where you're like, Melvin Ingram, this is it. We're gonna get the outside linebacker. That by the way, eight years later, the Jets still haven't had a decent outside linebacker since then. Melvin Ingram still really good. Chandler Jones was also on the board. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but. 
that that memory of very nearly being memorialized forever as you know one of those awful Jets moments clips that you know runs on YouTube every year and the ESPN <laughs> runs. I mean, it was very close. So that that's my my tortured Jet fan. Memory. Do you have any regret that you weren't uh, memorialized in that way? That you aren't like the fan who's thought of uh, when we think of what terrible things that happened to the Jets. The internet is a dark place, man, and I just don't want to be subject to you know what what people can do with Photoshop and deep fake these days. I mean, that's you know, a really good point. That's that, that's a so, really good that's that's a really good memory a good, and a good story. Um, I also. Yeah, a really good story, and I appreciate that. Even at the time, so 2012, I guess that was still that. Was, I guess that was still uh, Tannenbaum drafting, or was that Idzik's first year? I can't remember. I I, I can't remember. I think that might have been Idzik's first year, too. but I don't remember. Yeah, that that kind of makes sense. And well, a, I think it's great that you clearly knew more than uh, Jets management in knowing which player they should have taken. Bodes well for having him on the pod today. Out. Exactly. exactly. And as we've said uh, many times, me and Adam do not watch a lot of college football. But one thing which I think is also kind of funny about the two players you mentioned, Melvin Ingram and Quentin Copels. Melvin Ingram went to South Carolina and Quentin Copels went to North Carolina. And if you had to ask me, OK, all things even don't know anything about the players. Which player would you rather have, the player from South Carolina or North Carolina? I'm taking the South Carolina guy every day of the week. Like, yeah. Any, Give me, and give me the was, guy that, that played in the SEC. That right, that, and that's before Clemson was decent, right? 2012, I mean, I guess Miami probably was okay in 2012. I can't, it's going back pretty far. I don't know if that, they were still the U or whatever they I are guess now. Florida I guess like, Florida State was good back then. Like that was when James... No, was that I James? think that was... Was that before? I don't know if that was... That might have I been think James was were, there. That James was... Okay. Well, I don't want to get off on that digression, but yes. <laughs> Point being, the ACC was not very good, and the SEC no. has been awesome for two decades. Yep. I mean, at least so. Uh, so that, good memory, yeah. John. So before we get into our uh, trade value, though, there is one other thing I wanted I to ask you. That. So you have a very, a very interesting fandom. I, I don't know if there's anyone else in the world that roots for the four, the exact four teams that you root for. So you are a Jets, Orioles, Nets, Islanders fan. Uh, which means a couple things. A, it's a very interesting fandom. It also means you've seen a ton of heartbreak. You've never seen any of those four teams win a championship. I'm pretty... Uh, I don't think you've even seen those teams get to a championship because I'm pretty sure you didn't start rooting... Because Correct me if I'm wrong. You started rooting for the Nets uh, when they moved to Brooklyn since you were living in Brooklyn at the time. So it's That's not right. like you were yeah. a fan of them when they uh, made the finals in the Jason Kidd years. Uh, no, no. So, so rooting for this amazing collection of four teams... Which has been the most painful? You know, so first off, I have to say, I'm, I'm fickle when it comes to the NBA. I've since moved to, from Brooklyn to Philadelphia, and I've, I've, trust, I've decided to trust the process just because I need a Philly team to root for, and the Nets are garbage. Um, so, you know, like I wasn't that big of an NBA fan to start, but I have to admit that I'm not even, I, I didn't even stick with the Nets all that long. Um, Fair enough. But the, the, the Jets are easily the hardest of that group. And, you know, part of it is that, you know, the Orioles, I have wonderful Cal Ripken Jr. memories, right? Like, they didn't win championships, but it's just like, just, you know, getting to watch him play and do what he did during the streak, is, you know, is like my most formidable and earliest, um, you know, sports memory. So, I, you know, I, I, I can't, nothing could, could put a tarnish on that. And the Islanders are great right now, right? The Islanders are the best team in New York uh, and, and are plucky and are fun to watch. And so, but the Jets are just, just every season they find a new way to rip your heart out of your ass. I mean, it's just like really <laughs> amazing what, 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 you know, that, that they can take what seem like, you know, positive developments like Sam Darnold, who we're going to talk about later, I imagine. Uh, and, and, and you, you just, within a couple of years, just end up feeling like, man, the Jets not, not only, did they make maybe the wrong pick at the time, but they have just like horribly stunted this guy's growth. And you feel, uh, so yeah, the jets are easily the hardest to root for. I mean, we've got what, you know, the, the two AFC championship games with, with, uh, with Sanchez, you know, you feel like you're close and then, but now I, I, I can't tell you that I think in the next 10 years, the jets have, have designed, have the ability to get to, Back to the playoffs, little into the Super Bowl, because they just have no talent to build around. It's just awful. So, oh, well wow. said. Uh, I feel sad. Yeah, now. yeah. 
Yeah. Another another thing too. Um, so I mean, which some people don't even realize, I guess maybe how long it's been. But I mean, this is going to be the tenth straight year they missed the playoffs, which is currently the third longest streak. You don't think they're going to make the playoffs, streak. Justin? You're not eliminated yet. No, I do not. It's an extra playoff but the team. point I was getting at, <laughs> the point I was getting at is that the Jets currently have the third longest playoff drought, and I think there's a very good chance that the, by the end of the year they're going to have the longest. Because do you, do you know what two teams have longer droughts than the Jets? The Dolphins. It is not the Dolphins. Really? Yeah, the Dolphins had that random year where they made it with Gase. Jeez. Oh, yeah, the two teams are Tampa and Cleveland, and there's an excellent chance that both Tampa and Cleveland will be in the playoffs this year. So there's a really good chance that the Jets will have the longest NFL playoff drought by the season's end. Both both in tough divisions, though Tampa and Cleveland. They're, you know, they're, neither of them is going to win the division probably. So yeah, but that, but the fact that there is that extra wild card that could very well end up being the uh, spot for both those teams. In that, you know, like, I have blind season. confidence in my Cleveland right. Browns. I think they make it. <laughs> Yeah, three teams could definitely get in that division, but we're not here to talk about the Browns not. or the Bucks. No, so let's get into uh, what we want to talk about, which is the trade value of the players on this current Jets roster. As Adam mentioned at the top, uh, the Jets are clearly tanking. Uh, in a bit of podcast magic on our last podcast where we had Lance Kravitz on, uh, the Lev- Le'Veon Bell, uh, the news of Le'Veon Bell's release broke as we were recording, and we got to react in real time for those that are keeping tabs uh, i did in fact lose the bet to adam the uh, language of the bet was what the end result would be not what they would specifically get in a trade so i will pay you ten dollars adam i will admit that i, I think lost i'm up on almost all of our bet. trades i mean all of our, our bets at this point uh, i think the jet related we've we've made some non-jet related uh trades that i'm looking pretty good on though right. so we don't need to get into that here, however, but uh, point being, the Jets released Le'Veon Bell, uh, a move they didn't really have to make, especially because they could have gotten out of the Le'Veon Bell deal at the end of 2020 without much of a cap hit. So, I mean, if you're trading a guy, you know, a weapon that clearly could have helped Sam Darnold the rest of the way, uh, it certainly seems like you're tanking. Not to mention, you know, that to go along with the fact that Joe Douglas put this very poor. Uh, roster on the field this year but the first player we want to talk about as a possible trade option is sam darnold and with our group of friends we have a group me where we constantly talk about the jets and john made an outstanding point last week so last week uh one of the um big talking points of the nfl was that dak prescott suffered just a gruesome injury and uh, is going to be out for the remainder of the season for the Dallas Cowboys. And John, in our group chat, said, what about trading Sam Darnold to the Dallas Cowboys? Uh, so I want to let John talk about this because I think it's a truly fascinating point, and I think it's something that has a lot of merit. So, John, the floor is yours. Yeah, you know, obviously it's complicated. Anytime you know a, a team loses a franchise quarterback like Dak, but it's especially co- complicated when he's playing on the franchise tag, right? So... Dak, not under pre- uh, under contract. He's beloved on that team. You've already seen, you know, Ezekiel Elliott saying he's spending every day after practice with Dak, try, try to keep his spirits up. So I think that, you know, like from a, uh, a human capital standpoint, it would be tough for the Cowboys to, to make that move because you basically have to move on from Dak in season and do it at a time when, you know, they, they wouldn't be doing right by him considering the amount of money that he was due to get in an extension after this year. But at the same time, right, Andy Dalton is their, is their backup. Like, the guy had a noodle for an arm when he was drafted, and he put together some decent seasons, but it, he's not, it, you know, it's, it's hard to imagine him leading them to a Super Bowl this year. Uh, and they're a team that every year, that's, that's what they're trying to do. They should be able to moonwalk into the playoffs in that division. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think that to the extent that Sam Darnold is a good quarterback, and I think that it, it's obviously that, that he hasn't put a ton on tape not and almost nothing on tape this year, and he'd have to get healthy. Uh, if, if the Cowboys have talent evaluators that liked him coming out, you know, he's he's got to be, you know, the guy or one of the guys that they're thinking, man, if, if we're going to make a run, he's someone that, that could help us do it. And, you know, it's not totally unprecedented this time of year 
for a developing sort of young up-and-coming quarterback to get traded for decent capital. And the example I'd point to is Jimmy Garoppolo in 2017, right? The Patriots traded him. He was actually the second young Patriots quarterback that got traded that year. Earlier, they traded Jacoby Brissett for Philip Dorsett. Um, but in October, on Halloween, uh, I'm pretty sure it was Halloween, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo gets traded to the 49ers. That He gets traded for a second-round pick, which is you know reasonable high compensation and probably in the neighborhood of what... Sam Darnold would, would get this year. I think Sam would probably get, you know, Bill Barnwell said this week, a second and a compensatory pick. A, a, no, excuse me, and a, a conditional pick. I think a, a second with a, and a you know, pick contingent on whether they sign him to a second contract um, makes a lot of sense, uh, or pick up his fifth-year option for that matter. Um, but, you know, Dallas has all the parts. You know that Sam can make a lot of the throws. They still have a good offensive line, um, you know, even, even with the injuries that they've had. Um, so... You know, if, if Sam gets healthy, right, because he's got to pass a physical to get traded, um, that, that, that seems like really the only op- one of two options. Washington also, in theory, could try and trade for a quarterback, uh, you know, just because that division is so wide open and they've got, you know, I, I, I mean, I don't think Adam Smith, uh, Alex Smith is really a starter, and obviously no one else in their roster is. So th- those are really the only teams that I could think of, barring another injury, where Sam could get moved in season, um, but if you really want to embrace the tank and just, you know, go deeper into, into this awfulness that is the, the 2020 Jets season, you know, trade, da- trade Sam, get Joe Flacco under center, and, and, you know, let's tank for Trevor, right? There's one other reason that the Dallas trade I thought makes sense to me. So th- it would help them create pressure on Dak to sign, like, a cheaper deal, which we know that they've been going back and mm-hmm. forth on. So if they had Sam in fold when they were negotiating that contract, that might help them. And also they're— I mean, it might be the best quarterback they can get if they're picking really late in the first round. Um, so I well, think that, that makes a lot know, of sense for a number of reasons. Even if you're going to re-sign Dak for a more reasonable contract than what they were going to do, there are going to be questions about his ankle, right? I mean, he's got to rehab an ankle injury that was really gruesome. And, you know, he's a mobile quarterback. Not that he's a, a rushing quarterback, but he's mobile in the pocket. You don't know how is his game going to change. And so having an insurance policy, you know, on a, still on a rookie deal, right, would, would give them a lot of flexibility that they don't have. I mean, maybe they like Andy Dalton more than I do. Uh, you know, the Red Rocket has uh, has good Texas roots, right? But uh, at least for now, I, I think that it, it's the sort of idea that someone in their, in their front office has probably said the name Sam Darnold, and, you know, just sort of throwing things at the wall, seeing what will stick. And you, know, you never know, right, what, what ownership is going to do in Dallas. There's one thing you can't predict. It, it, it's... Uh, it's how the Jones family is going to run their organization. We've so. also seen that like a pl- like a quarterback who other people perceive as talented gets a first round pick. Um, so maybe Dallas thinks they can mm-hmm. throw him in there, they can rehabilitate him and get like more of a return on a trade than the Jets could right now. So that I, lo- I love that idea. Right, Sam Sam Bradford in 2016 right gets traded for a first and right, a fourth. after Bridgewater um, blew out his knee, um, and then Bridgewater right. they got a and that's first, Earl- no they got was it a second or a third? A second, yeah, I think. I think. It was a second. So I, I love Bill Barnwell, and I initially thought that that was crazy town, that the Jets could get a second for Sam Darnold, given how terrible Sam has looked throughout his career. But I looked at the Josh Rosen deal, because that seemed like the most comparable trade, and the they were able to get a second-round pick for Josh Rosen. Um, I know that Darnold's a little closer to signing his next contract, but I still think those are, those are comparable. Two quarterbacks who were highly touted. Neither have panned out at all, and then were traded. So maybe they could get a second. And Bill Barnwell knows more than anyone. It was, so. it was a two, third for Bridgewater. I stand corrected about that. Third. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, and two other points I wanted to bring up. One is that, uh, in theory, you also could probably get more now because if you're trading Sam Darnold now, you're taking a, you know, and you're going to say, okay, we're going to just draft Trevor Lawrence. Anyway, if you trade him now, like there's still a lot of season left, you are taking a risk that something weird could happen. You end up winning more games than you think, and then you don't have an opportunity to draft Sam Darnold, and then you're in a situation where you then maybe you're having, looking at drafting, sorry, uh, Trevor Lawrence, and then looking at drafting either uh, uh, Justin Fields or Trey Lance. And, so that that's one aspect of it because you could say, look, unless you give us a second, we're not going to part with Darnold right now because it's too risky. So you could theoretically demand more because it's not like it's something you have to do 
in season. And also just the whole thing with Dallas is that if Darnold comes in and plays great, they also very well could say, you know what, we're going to extend Darnold and just let Dak walk because Dak's coming off a gruesome injury. And if Darnold looks good running their offense, uh, that allows them to do that. And I think I said two points, but I guess it was actually three. And the, the final thing we've seen in Andy Dalton's prime, I mean, famously, he he took the Bengals to the playoffs five straight years. And for five consecutive years, they lost in the wild card round. So, so it's hard to think that now a past his prime Andy Dalton, if he could get Dallas to the playoffs, which he very well might be able to do in that weak NFC East. It's very hard to think that all of a sudden at this stage of his career, Andy Dalton's going to be the guy to win them four playoff games. Well, this team wasn't winning four Not... playoff games with the worst defense in NFL history anyway. Um, they were scoring 800 <laughs> points a game with Dak and still losing. So I, I don't I don't think Andy Dalton's going to be the difference or not the difference there. Um, I did have a point. No, but, thing... to what, but, something, but to what John said, this is also the Dallas Cowboys we're talking about who think they can win the Super Bowl every single year. And now that you know you're not getting Dak Prescott this year, Sam Darnold elevates your potential seal. You you know what you're getting with Andy Dalton. Like if you can uncover something within Sam Darnold, you're you're sealing for a deep playoff run. You know it, it's 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 higher than with Andy Dalton. Have, and also because that division is so weak, you if you were to trade for Sam Darnold, you could let him probably sit behind Dalton for three or four weeks while he learns the playbook. Uh, and then throw him in and still be in great position to win that division. I have one other point. So I was listening to the Ringer NFL podcast, which is an awesome one. Um, and Kevin Clark was talking. Um, they were doing an analysis of where assistant coaches might go and like what the coaching carousel might look like. And his point was the Jets are doing so bad and their culture is so bad and their ownership is looked at so poorly. It'd be very unlikely that they would get a top head coach like a Lincoln Riley, like um, an Arthur Smith, like an Eric Bieniemy. Um, so my thought now is you have to trade Sam Darnold. You have to tank. You have to get Trevor Lawrence because that really might be your only shot of getting a really highly touted coach is having this really strong asset. Like I think maybe the only way to save this franchise now is making sure that you have the first pick in the draft so other people look at you as having some hope. Um, so I think they have to trade him, even if they only get a third or fourth round. I, I think it's imperative now that they tank. The other interesting thing is that the the trade deadline right is November 3rd. And the Cowboys have a week 10 bye. So you could, if, they, if, if this deal happened right at the deadline, they could play Dalton the, the Sunday the 8th against the Steelers, use that, that week over the bye to integrate Sam into the offense, and then have him start week 11 against the Vikings as his first start. So they, they actually, the timing of their bye and with, with the trade deadline is sort of perfect. Now, I mean... It, that would be a long time to wait, but it, it, you know Sam has to get healthy right before he's going to pass a physical. So, it, for the timing, you know, aspect, if if you're adding Sam Darnold with hopes to sort of reload for the playoff run, assuming that the that the Cowboys are going to win that division, sort of no matter what, um, or that or that Dalton is good enough to carry them through the next few weeks, um, that, you know that that's something to think about. So. All right, we are we're pretty deep yeah. in. We should start moving through these players a little a little more quickly, guys. Um, Sam yeah. was the well, big one. I mean, to talk I about, mean yeah. Um, one last question. I do want. Okay. Sorry, there is one last question I want to ask about uh, Sam Donald. I want to get John's opinion. Do I mean beyond uh, trying to make your team worse and improve your uh, chances of getting Trevor Lawrence? Do you think? Sam Darnold could potentially net more now than during the offseason. So you from a market standpoint, right, you have a small a much smaller trade market, I think, right now, right? Really, I think it's it's basically the Cowboys barring another entry. After the season, you know, in addition to Bill Barnwell's Colts, uh, you know, the Saints are an option. James Winston's on a one-year contract, I'm pretty sure, and Drew Brees could retire at any given point. The Steelers are an option, right? Ben Roethlisberger is 100 years old and is playing off of a torn bicep. Uh, and the Bears are maybe an option. I know they just traded for Nick Foles. He's still not very good. Trubisky's gone after this year. So maybe there are some more teams that are in the quarterback market. Um, but you're not going to get the same need, right? The same sort of, you know, you know, do or die attitude that the Cowboys are going to have yeah. right Unless now. Unless someone else has um, a horrible injury. That's interesting. And then they... Right. We're right. Someone else has a... Right. We've seen that happen. Um, but the other thing is... It's from the Jets' standpoint. I think moving him right now, um, 
makes it very clear, right? Obviously, the Jets are going to draft a quarterback, that they're, they're changing directions. What you don't want to have happen is have the first overall pick, have Sam still on the roster, and then you have a whole offseason of the, all we're talking about is, are we moving on from Sam? And, and it's, gonna, it's a distraction, right? I think making a clear statement one way or another, if you're Joe Douglas, is a good thing for the health of the organization. Um, it, it sends a signal to whoever your, your head coach is that you're going to hire after this year. You know, you're going to either build around a new quarterback or you're coming in and Sam is the you know, ball of clay that you get. And Adam Gase has been taking a crap on it for the last three <laughs> or two years. So, I mean, I, I, I do think that there's value and clarity one way or another. Um, now, you know, the NFL, you know, they're, you know, everyone wants to play their cards uh, close to the vest and that, you know, that's fine. But I think from from the Jets' standpoint, I think we will know relatively shortly into the offseason, one way or another, what the Jets' plans are, because I don't think they want this to be a long, protracted, you know, will they, won't they, if the Jets are picking one or two and Sam Darnold is still on the roster. I feel strongly that if Douglas is still here, like, the last moment we would know would be the draft. Like, I don't think they would leave the draft having taken Lars and keeping Darnold on the roster. I don't, I don't think they would do that to Sam Darnold. And like like you said, I think it would be just horrible for the team. I don't think it would be like a, yeah. we're going to keep them both in-house and see who's better. That would just Because you know, well, and, you know and, what you're doing at that point, and that's just disrespectful to Sam Darnold. I don't think Douglas would do that. And trades after the draft are, are so dumb because the capital you're getting is a year delayed, right? So if, if anything happens with Sam, they're going to move him for draft capital because that's what Douglas wants. You know, he, he has to be able to reshape this roster uh, after McCagnan did absolutely nothing to build depth. Um, and Four so starters, not, Donald, just, not it, just depth. Right, right, right. <laughs> he didn't build anything. But, but yeah. you know, I mean, he, he, in, in his, to his credit, he, he added, you know, four starters to the offensive line, right? I mean, so, and, and Alex Lewis was, I think, Oh, Douglas. yeah, yeah. I thought you said McCagnin. Like, McCagnin didn't add depth or starters. Oh, oh, no. Douglas added. Yeah, I love everything Douglas right. has done. So, all, all right. right. So, we're all in agreement. They should, <laughs> it seems like they should trade Donald. We're thinking they could probably get a second, and we, we would all be in favor of as soon as possible, and the last minute trading him would be at the draft. No later than that. Yeah. I yeah, think that's I, right. All right. So then, all right, especially so if they're if they're going to pick first overall, right? I want Trevor Lawrence. I want and, and mostly for the contract, right? I mean, if nothing else, I want to re- be able to reset the contract, and Douglas has got to want that too, right? Because it resets the amount of time that he has to build with the team. If he's resetting on a rookie uh, quarterback deal, that gives him four or five years to build the team with a, a, a fresh contract and with a lot of more cap space. That's the way to build a roster. So I think Douglas, as just as a you know, someone who envisions himself as like a cap guy um, and as someone who wants to build this Jets team from the ground up is going to want, it will like the flexibility that that comes along with, talent evaluation aside. Agreed. Yeah. And I think, yeah. And I, I, something we've also said before in this podcast is even if, let, let's say they did trade Sam Darnold now and they didn't end up with the first pick, uh, it's hard to um, – there are two – you know, with Justin Fields and Trey Lance, there are two other quarterbacks that project as top five picks. And it's really, really hard to think there's any sort of scenario where the Jets aren't picking in the top three. I can't imagine. Assuming that. Douglas likes all three – assuming Douglas likes all three of those guys. Cool. All right, let's talk about Jamison Crowder. So, um, yes. Jamison Crowder in 2021 will make $11.5 million. He doesn't really have a dead cap hit. So, at the end of the season, either the Jets could cut him or another team could cut him. So the question is, given his contract, do you think what do you think they could get for him in a trade, and how likely would they be to actually trade him? So if you look, so last year you, you saw some receivers moved at the deadline. Uh, the Falcons were able to get a second round pick for Mohamed Sanu, and uh, I believe the uh, Broncos got also a second no, round pick. It was a third pick, and a fourth. A round, round it was pick. a third and a fourth round pick for Emmanuel Sanders, and they sent right. back so, a fifth rounder. Yeah. Um you and I think it so Jamison Crowder is definitely younger than those guys were last year from a production standpoint. You could probably argue that Crowder this year is probably similar to what like Emmanuel Sanders was last year. I would say so, that I mean, talent-wise there it's a perfect comparison pretty much. Like you're getting an a you know an above average wide receiver on a, a good contract. Um and Sanders had the injury, right? He he had well, he tore his Achilles, Achilles injury, before, but he right. I mean, he looked fully rehabilitated last year. Right, but an Achilles injury is one of those things that the people you know just are concerned about. Right, yeah. exactly. Also, it's important other, to note, it, it, Jam- 
Oh, sorry. sorry. I was going to say Jameson Crowder is 27, and Emmanuel Sanders last season was like 32. But Sanu, I think, was 27 last year. If I'm, I can double check. Not that that matters that much. Yeah. Other interesting thing about Crowder right now, he is the the highest paid or has the highest cap hit on the Jets of any player, which is crazy. And I think that will also be true next year. Um, yeah, yeah. Sanu was only so he's 30 set to make last 11. Year. So Sanu was 30. He was uh, older than I thought. So Crowder is much younger than both of these players were when they were traded. Yeah. So I think the question here. So Crowder is set to make 11.5 million in 2021. So. As John said, that's the highest, currently the highest cap number of any player under contract for the Jets season. But next, that's not a season. big cap hit for a wide receiver. Right? No, the Jets especially have a guy who's producing. Numbers. Right. Um, and the team, if they don't like yeah. him, they can just get out of it like that. It's not like you have to worry about keeping him on their books. So I, I would think that he has a ton of trade value. Um, I would think they could but get I a think second this or third to- round pick for him. But then I, but then I think you have to ask the question. So let, let's just say, for argument's sake, they could get a second round pick for Jameson Crowder. Do we right all now. agree that we think Is they could worth? get a second round pick? I think at worst a yeah. third. I think you could get a third, and I think you could probably get a second from a team. And they're like, you know, if, if the Eagles have another injury, you know, and they're receiving core, if, if if Deshaun Jackson comes back next week uh, and gets Again, hurt he right does away, that a lot. Uh, right? The Ravens really could use another receiver that. Um, and, and again, you know, they have not been lighting the world on fire, their offense this year. I think that they would l- probably like to add someone. Uh, and the Chiefs, you know, if Sammy Watkins is hurt again, he is. they only have $6 million in cap space. So I don't think that, I don't know that they could afford Crowder right now. They'd have to make another it's move. Easy to get a couple extra yeah. But I mean, you know, the, the Chiefs, you know, have a lot of good depth receivers, but Watkins, I think, is the only one who plays in the slot, really. Uh, and so if Watkins' injuries are going to be are enough that they're going to keep him out more than just a week or two, that, that's another spot where you have to imagine that Crowder would have well, The only problem if you're the, the Chiefs, do you want two former Jets on your team? Are you becoming too Jetsy that you're worried that it's going to actually hurt your team's production moving forward? Arguably the two most talented players on the Jets' offense, that's though, true. right? Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a great point. This is what I do want to ask, though. So Jamison Crowder is under contract for in 2021. Even if the Jets could get a second-round pick for Crowder, and we all agree they probably could, do you want to trade him for a second-round pick? Because if you're going to be bringing in a new quarterback, one of the great criticisms of this franchise, both with Sanchez and with Sam Darnold, is that they never put any sort of offensive talent or weapons around them. Is Jamison Crowder a guy you want to have on the team next year with a new quarterback, a possession receiver that can really help the quarterback? And as we said, $11.5 million is not an outrageous number for a productive wide receiver. I know he's on your fantasy team, Justin, and I'm sorry to say this, but the last two weeks he has outpaced his historical production by like so many degrees that I think you could... <laughs> well, this is why I'm asking... I think you could get more this for him I'm right now the at this question. moment than you ever could before. And I'd rather spend like $18 million on a Chris Godwin than have $10 million on Jameson Crowder and then $10 million on another like average wide receiver. Like I, I think they need to bring in like so elite you would... pieces and I think... I don't, I don't have a problem not having Crowder on the team, and I, as you know, I'm in I'm in the tank, so I don't really care if it hurts the culture right now. I don't I don't really care if they're marginally worse. Yeah, uh, again, it's not about this year. It's more. I'm just saying, is it worth is it worth getting a second round pick for a guy who could really help your quarter your new rookie quarterback next season? I yeah, think if you got a first round pick, you do it in a heartbeat. A for a second round pick, I think it's questionable. There are a lot of free agents too, guys that, who are going to be available. You know, in addition to Godwin, I think Allen Robinson is there. Mm-hmm. Juju. Um, you know, Kenny, Kenny Galladay is there. Juju is the obvious. If, if Sam is still on the team, Juju is the obvious. You know, they could get their USC connection back together. Um, so there, there are some pretty good names who are. I think all those guys are are profile as number one receivers, which Crowder doesn't. That's the other thing, right? Crowder's a slot receiver. So yes, he is the highest paid receiver on the Jets, and yes. He plays, you know, he is the highest, you know, most targeted player, but sort of by default because the Jets' other receivers are garbage. But he is not a prototypical, you know, outside, you know, number one or, you know, X or, or Z receiver. Um, and, you know, we have to assume that Mims is going to be one of those positions. But if you, if, if you really are trying to build an offense sort of the old-fashioned way, then you'd be looking for one of those guys and you could address it in address this the slot position in the draft with the second or third round pick you know look what the the ravens did with devin duvernay um who you know is is, they're using him as more of a gadget player but that type of guy 
would, would slot in in the slide, if you'll forgive the pun, and, and you, you don't miss a beat, and you don't need to pay him $11 million, which is what they're going to pay Jimmy for Crowder. That's a great point about if you got the second round pick for Crowder, you could use that second round pick on another receiver at way less money. And it just gives you a lot more flexibility, right? Because they've already got two first round picks. Um, you know, so they, they've, you know they, they, they've got what, something like six picks in the first three rounds or something like that. Five, I, I don't remember what the number is off the top of my head. I should have looked. But, you know, having more flexibility means that if they have to move up for Trevor Lawrence, if there are guys that Joe Douglas really wants, you know, and again, to the extent that he wants to rebuild the roster, he's going to want his guys and he's going to want as many picks as possible. And that's what the Jets need, right? They need depth. So being able to add, add, you know, draft offensive linemen, not because you need a tackle, but just because you want to have more tackles is exactly what the Jets should be trying to do next year. So, you know, do a, the, the bigger problem, I think, is if you're not trading Sam Darnold, and you're trading Crowder in season, then, man, are you setting up Sam Darnold to fail this year? And you're just, you know, who's he going to throw the ball to, right? I mean, yeah. if Crowder's gone, I mean, at this point, uh, yeah, I mean, there's just, there's no one. And and it's not like, you know, their their backup receivers have been hurt in addition to being street-type free agents, uh, street-type receivers. So you'd really be sending a message uh, to Sam that we, we just don't give a crap about what you're going to do this year. And I think that that would be... You know, I, I I totally I agree with with uh, Goody that I'm in the tank, but man, uh, would th- that roster be terrible if if Sam is still there and just looking at who's he who's he throwing to? I mean, the popcorn vendors are going to be on the field. Yeah. They're going to have to you know pass COVID protocol, but then they'll be on the field. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. I I think we should have said at the beginning of this that they're clearly not going to trade all of these players because they need to have a team. Um, even if you're trying to lose, <laughs> like you can't you can't just turn all of your players into draft picks. You you do need to have a roster on sunday um yeah we're, I don't we're know, just, in, in madden i've done that and it's it fun. Is fun it is fun because you can just skip you can skip the season but you can't fast forward time though, given this year i think we'd all really like to do that um it, let's do for each of these guys so darnold uh scale one to ten how likely do you guys think they are to trade him in season honestly i think this is like a two i, was gonna say a I, I think there's a much more likely i was gonna say it's probably a lot more likely it happens in the off season yeah i agree with that i think it's it becomes more likely if another big quarterback gets hurt, um, and a little bit later in the season. And so the Jets have had you know again he's healthy. The Jets have had more time to to think about it. I think it's unlike I think with the Cowboys I think it's like a two. I, I don't think that that's a likely trade to happen, I think it'd be especially because Dalton is an NFL starter. So I, I think I do too. In a, in a fantasy world, I think it makes a lot of sense. But I think in reality, I think it's like a, a two or three. What about Crowder? I'm going to say a seven. I think it's very like I think actually out of all the players on this list, he is the most likely to be moved. I think they could get the most for him. Um, I, I think it's more likely that he's traded. Maybe Williamson. We'll get to him in a bit. Um, so I'm going to say seven. Yeah, I think that that's right. I think a seven or an eight. He, he's not a guy that Douglas signed. Um, I, yeah, I think the seven. Or, yeah, I, I, I see no no reason say, not to. I'll say like a five, just because. Um, I think you have to. I think there's a situation where Douglas. Uh, would have to get enough. I don't know. I don't think he wants to, would necessarily just give Crowder away because again he could be useful in twenty twenty one. So I'll, I'll say a five. Oh, and to and just to be clear, uh, the Jets have five picks in the first three rounds this year. They have two firsts, a second, and two thirds. There you go. All right. So the next one up is Quentin uh, Williams. So I think we've at least I've been surprised that it's been a point of like talk in the media that they may move him and that they've been quote unquote fielding calls. I don't believe that. Um, I think they've been trying to talk up Quinn and Williams in order to increase his trade value. Um, so he's going to make $9 million next year. He signed through 2023. He's on his rookie deal. Um, clearly they're not going to cut him. Um, I, I know he had that really good game, and they've been st- saying really good things about him. I don't think he, it passes the sniff test. So his PFF grade right now, where is he? So Quinn and Williams, they had him ranked for the season – uh, his aggregate score is a 64.4, which is like an average D lineman. He's ranked 54th of 117. So he's not exactly lighting the world on fire. I think it's safe to say that he's really disappointed in his two years, given where he was drafted and given the way people have talked about him. Um, so I, I would be in favor of moving on from him, particularly if they could get a first rounder, um, which is what I think you would need to get to move off him. What do you guys think? Completely agree. I, I, I don't think you're trading him unless you get a first rounder back. Yeah, agreed. Um, how likely do I think that's going to happen? I, I, I think this is just a lot of smoke. I, I, I think this is like a three. I, I'd be very surprised if they actually trade him. I think if someone offered them a first rounder, I think it's a 10. Like, I think they would take it in a heartbeat. 
Um, but I don't think anyone's going to offer them a first rounder. So I think it's like a three. Also. I think it's like a six. I think that they're talking about it because they want to do it. Right. This is the one they clearly want to move off of. Right. Otherwise, we wouldn't be hearing the stories about last year. They had a deal. They almost couldn't refuse. But clearly, they could refuse because they didn't do it. And then we're hearing that the Jets are leaking, that they're they're fielding calls. I don't believe it. So I think they have some internal motivation to move off of him. I don't think they like having him on the team. Um, so I think, I think they, if they could do it, they would. I just thought of something. One last Quinn and Williams point. So last year, as we uh, all remember, uh, Joe Douglas was able to trade Leonard Williams for a third round pick, and it was to the Giants, which was kind of surprising because the Giants were a bad. And the Jets team. don't trade with the Giants. I think that too, but I think. Hmm. Because Quentin Williams is signed through 2023, and in theory, uh, a bad team could be interested in him because he is, you know, under contract for so long. I think if a bad team called, I I might be okay trading him for a second because if if you were pretty confident that that would be an early second and that's a top 40 pick, I, I think you'd have to consider that also because then because w- w- there's not a huge difference between like the 30th pick and like the 37th pick. Like as you know, as opposed to a good team giving you for first versus a bad team giving you a second. That's just the last thing I wanted to add there. Cool. Yeah, but there's something about you know the the shininess of saying we got a first round pick, and and also don't forget, Quinn Williams was what the, the what was third, he the, I don't remember third draft. third pick overall. So if you're if you're there's there's something about conceding that he's worth less than a first round pick that I think would make it at least harder, especially if they're leaking that they had a package, you know, and Adam Schefter is reporting it's multiple picks as a blockbuster or whatever. Um, you know, it, it would seem like you, you'd be taking a huge cut if if you're taking a second-round pick and you're rolling the dice if you're trading him in-season that that second-round pick is going to be a top of the, you know, top end of the, of the draft versus the bottom the of the draft. The only thing I'll say is they may have just decided that they're moving on from him and maybe they try to get a first, but at the trade deadline they move him for a second because they just don't want to wait any longer. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we spent a lot of time talking about the first three guys, um, and I, but I think it's because those are the three most interesting guys to talk about. I feel like we'll probably uh, be able to move through a lot of these other guys a little more quickly. Uh, one guy we wanted to talk about uh, is C.J. Mosley. Um, guys, I, I know I just went a little out of order here on our list, but I think it's important to know because some people might say C.J. Mosley, they signed him before the 2019 season. He's played one game in two years. Let's just move off of this guy. Uh, we just wanted to illustrate here that he's virtually untradeable. Uh, he's currently signed through 2024. Uh, he's set to ma- now he is only set to make seven and a half million in 2021, but he has an incredible dead cap number next year of 19.9 million, meaning that he can't be cut. So, like, if the Jets were to cut him after this year, or if they traded him and somebody else cut him. They'd have it would count as twenty million against their cap, like versus the eight it would cost <laughs> to keep him on the team, right? So there is you yeah, like even if cut him. like yeah, so and I can't imagine another team would want to take on a contract like this. So C.J. Mosley is going to be here. Honestly, the best thing for the Jets is just to hope that. Uh, I mean, obviously he sat out this year for COVID. You just hope that he comes back in 2021 and plays really well. That's really all. You I mean, can I've do mentioned this. this before. I mentioned this when they signed him. I don't know. I'm not sure everyone realizes like people don't spend money like this on inside linebackers, right? That's just not is not a thing. He makes more money than any other inside linebacker in the league. It's a ridiculous contract. He's right. There's just no one is going to trade for him, and you cannot cut him until 2023 when his dead cap hit would only be three million dollars. So you have C.J. Mosley which is, the next two years, which is why when he took the year for COVID, which he has absolute right to do. I was mad that his contract got told because I wanted to get out of this deal a year earlier. So now you actually have to wait another year. So you you have CJ Mosley. He's the worst contract on the team. He's really the only one making substantial money moving into next year. Um, so hopefully he can at least meet some of Play the, well. the money we're spending for him. Yeah, he'll be well rested. Yeah, two years <laughs> off. His that groin will be nice and recovered. <laughs> We we shouldn't. The one right, thing so is that we shouldn't. Like he, I, he made seemingly the right decision to sit up, decision to sit out the season, given how many people have gotten sick. So hopefully he's ready. And given what the Jets, well, I would much rather be you know sitting at home. He's already a millionaire. You know, better to watch the Jets on TV than have to be in that locker room. So this is zero percent chance that he gets traded. Yes. Uh, so the next guy on the list is Henry Anderson. Henry Anderson. Uh, 
uh, makes 8.3 million a year, but has a small dead cap number, uh, just 1.3 million. So he could easily be cut either this year or next after the season. Not yeah. So uh, his he's bad though. Um, his PFF grade is is really really terrible. I can I can pull it. I, and he doesn't pass the eye test either. I mean, you know, he's no. old. You're just watching the Jets play, he's not good. He he was good, you know, a couple of years ago, but no one's going to trade for him. Not at that. Not with 8.5 million. Teams don't have that kind of cap space on a struggling defensive end. He's he's going to get cut after the year. That that it, I I would say he's one of the three most likely guys to get cut after the season. I would but say it's a, I would I say his chance just, of being cut is almost a hundred percent. Do you think yeah. they could end up? They would just cut him. Well, actually, I don't know what his dead cap number would be if uh, they had to cut him in. I mean, there's season. no reason to cut it. You do need to feel the team. Yeah. There's no reason to cut yeah, him. Yeah, they need the body. That's a good but, point. Yeah. Unlike Le'Veon Bell, who could have helped them in season, Henry Anderson probably just makes. I think worse. with Le'Veon Bell, they just wanted to do right by Bell. They just decided he didn't want to be on the team anymore. What's the point? They can't trade him for him. Just let him go. That's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, Henry Anderson's not getting trade. I mean, if maybe someone would offer them a seventh round pick, but you could get. He's below replacement. His grade on PFF is 52.4. You could just probably sign someone off your practice roster who could give you the same production. I don't think anyone's trading for Henry Anderson. Maybe a lovely uh, person, the other but guys, he's not very good anymore. Of, of the other guys on the Jets roster that we haven't talked about, I have to think that Marcus May is the most likely to get traded. I think he's yeah. got to be have have the you know because he's a free agent after the year. Because he's got the, the you know the the high ceiling, he's a second round draft pick. He's got a good pedigree. He's playing decent football right now. Although it's hard to know if anyone's playing good football on, on the defense because <laughs> they're on the field so often. Um, you know they've got Ashton Davis behind him, who we know the Jets like. Who this you know who I think plays sort of a, you know a, the center field role, which Marcus May used to play before he, he sort of took over the Jamal Adams role. Uh, you know if, if the Jets think that. McDougal and, and Ashton Davis can finish the rest of the season. Um, then I think may you, you know, to the extent that you can get the second round pick that they invested in him, I think they would a hundred percent do that. I think they would probably think about a third too, especially, you know, we have, we're not privy to the conversations that they've had with May's agent about an extension. We've heard rumors that they're talking, but to, you know, they know whether they think it's likely they're going to resign him and what he's going to cost. And I think that that's got to weigh heavily on what they're what they're deciding. Uh, if, if they think he's going to cost a lot, or they don't, or they think he's going to walk because he just hates the organization, no way that they hold on to him and and, and get nothing out of it. I just I don't know what so they're know. getting for him. You're also trading out at the bottom of his value. Like this is probably the worst he's been evaluated in his whole you know, professional career. Like his his grade right now in PFF is 62.2, which is like an average or below average starter. He's ranked as the 34th of 83 safeties. McDougal's rated as the 77th of 83 safeties, so they're, they're not exactly letting the world on fire. I don't know what they could get for him. Um, but, you know, part of that, I, I, again, I think the defense makes it hard to evaluate anyone, right? Because the secondary is so bad. All the all teams have to do are, like, how many times did the Bills rush the ball against the Jets in week one? It was like six, and it was all it was all Josh Allen. They're just throwing and throwing and throwing. They're on the field Ryan all Poole's game. Ryan is the yeah. best cornerback in the league right now. PFF loves Brian because yeah because you can throw you can throw Pierre Tazir all day. <laughs> uh, so I I think Marcus May just because I have a tough time thinking McCagnan is going to want to resign him. He hasn't been great and he's probably going to make Douglas. a decent amount of money. I think this is like an eight because someone will give you something for Marcus May. He's a free agent at the end of the year. I think there's like an I think this is like an eight. What do you guys think? I don't think he gets traded. I think it's yeah. like a two. I just I just don't see it happening. I don't know why. I just I can't imagine them trading Jamal Adams and Marcus May in the same year. I just I think it's like a six. You know, I, I I'm not I think it really depends on the contract negotiations behind closed doors. I think, you know, you know, that that is the biggest factor. But, you know, I think I think it's it's more likely than not, given that he's a free agent and I don't know why anyone would want to re sign with the Jets right now that's on the current team. Uh, so let's let's talk about the other guy you just brought up next, uh, Brian Poole. Uh, so as you said, Adam, Brian Poole, at least based on his PFF grade, he Brian had a good Poole PFF grade last year too. It's not a small sample size anymore. Yeah, and uh, again, part of what makes the uh, Jets secondary so bad is something John alluded to: is that while Poole is playing well, everybody's just abusing Pierre Desir, who has been awful. Uh, so. Uh, as we said, Brian Poole, he's making $5 million this year. He's a free agent after the season. He's 27 years old. Uh, I mean, someone would clearly give you something for him. I think it's just a question of, is this a guy you have in your future plans and you want to re-sign? 
I don't know. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that might make it harder to move him, um, I, I'm pretty sure he he mostly lines up as a slot cornerback. So it's it's more of a you know I don't know that how great he is on the outside. Um, so it, it would, and, you know that's not a knock on him. That's a position he plays. But I just think that that's just a, more of a, a niche to to fill a, as far as trading guys. And it, again, who else? Who who's the next man up in the secondary if they move pool? Especially given the injuries that they, you know, bless Austin's been hurt though. So yeah, so I mean, it's just like at, at a certain point they they do need to keep keep you know Bodies. building a team. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and so, you know, and, and the thing is, you know, Poole is maybe a guy, yeah, yeah, I know he's a free agent after the season, but they re-signed him last year, they could do it again, who, you know, to the extent that there are players that you want to keep around, he's probably, he's 27 and he's playing well, like, he's probably a guy that you'd like to keep around and, and you know, mm-hmm. you like Bless Austin, I think you, you make a, a priority to address the other outside corner position, they're going to have a new defensive coordinator next year, I think it's hard to imagine Greg Williams is back, so, I mean, I think, you know, Poole is, is a guy that I wouldn't I I would be I would say at least like a four. You know, I think I don't think anyone on the team, cap permitting, you know, I mean, obviously CJ Mosley not getting traded, is lower than a four just because there's you know, Bell's gone like who's why should anyone be safe on this roster? But Poole is a guy I, I don't think that they're gonna be aggressively pursuing a trade for, and I don't think anyone is gonna knock their socks off with a deal for Brian Poole. So the next guy we wanted to talk about was Jordan Jenkins. Uh, I know, John, I know you had uh, some thoughts on him and thought that he could uh, return some decent value. Yeah, you know, I mean, he, he was one of the last guys that they re-signed this year because he was looking for a big, a better deal. Um, but he's a rotational pass rusher who's, who's solid. He's not great. His numbers have never been, he's not, he's never been, you know, a sack artist. Um, but, you know, he gets to the quarterback, he generates some pressures um, so to the extent that there are teams that are looking for a rotational pass rusher, someone who's good against the run, who's, you know, relatively experienced, you know, I think that he's, he's a guy that could have pretty strong value. I think that given how long it took for him to resign, he was clearly looking at the market. I don't think he's wedded to this team. I think the Jets were probably his best option. Um, but he's a guy who, you know, eight sacks last year, seven sacks the year before that. So I think someone out there, there's someone that would be interested in him for a fourth or fifth round pick, and I don't think it's likely he resigns. Um, so I, I think that the Jets would be, I think the Jets will get calls about him, and I think the question is just, are they willing to to take a fifth round pick? Um, I think if they get a fourth, I think that they would definitely do it. I think you know after you know the it seems like that that's sort of the you know, that there is a, a noticeable value divide from the fourth after afterwards. Um, so I don't know if you, if you move them for a fifth or a conditional fifth or something like that. But I think if you get a fourth, you, you, would, you would move them. And I would, I would say that I would put them at like a six or a seven as far as likelihood for me. Yeah, you've sold me that. I think, I, I think that's exactly right, about a six or a seven. And yeah, you, I think you definitely move them for a fourth. I don't have much to add. That, that sounds about right. I'm just looking up his contract to see how much money he's making. All right. Well, while you look that up, uh, we're going to talk about the oh, next. Oh, this is a one-year deal together. at four million dollars. So that's you think yeah, that someone might trade for. I mean, yeah, maybe I put that as pretty likely, like a seven. Yeah, that's that's a good one, John. We we didn't uh, think about him uh, originally, but yeah, he's a that's a, that's a good one that they definitely could move. Uh, we're going to talk about the next two guys together. It's their two guards, Alex Lewis and Greg Van Rodden. Uh, they both make similar amounts of money, and uh, Alex Lewis is making four point three million. Rodden. Uh, 3.5. Uh, Alex Lewis has a 1.7 million dead cap number in 2021. Greg Van Rodden has no dead cap number in 2021. Uh, Lewis grades 18th out of 75 eligible guards. Uh, Van Rodden 25 out of 75. So these are guys that have played pretty well um, and probably could net value. I think the biggest question is, is we agree that one of the big things Douglas has tried to do this year was put an emphasis on the offensive line and, you know, A, protect the quarterback, and B, maybe build some chemistry there. Uh, clearly, they could get something for these two guys, but is it worth trading these guys since, again, you're trying to, you know, build that offensive lineup and, you know, maybe have something moving forward? And these are two guys that are both under contract for So next I year. wanted to talk about these. Um, so they got Alex Lewis for a conditional seventh-round pick. So he clearly didn't have a lot of value. So they, they have rehabilitated his value. He's re- rehabilitated his career. He has been very good for them. Um, Van Rotten was not heavily thought of when they brought him in, and he's also played average to above average. Uh, so I think mean, the question for Douglas is, are these your starting guards for the next two or three years? And I think there's a good chance the answer is yes. 
my only thing was like like you said they probably could get something for for either of them i don't think they have a lot of depth at guard either one is making a ton of money i think it's extremely unlikely either one is traded but i think it's something that if you really are in the midst of a fire sale you at least consider yeah, I think Lewis of the two of them is is the less likely to be traded. Um, you know, he's got the Ravens connection to Douglas, um, and they went. You know, they just went out and got him. They, I think so. I think he's someone that the scouting department is probably pretty high. He's playing at a high level. Um, he's under contract for you know two year, two more years after the season at a very reasonable number. Um, Van Rotten is 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 more of a journeyman, right? He's he's bounced around a little bit. I think he. You know, while he's under contract, is more likely to get replaced in the draft next year. Uh, and I mean, the Jets do have Connor McDermott, right? Or yeah, Connor McDermott, um, who, who like could slot in at either of these positions if you traded one. I just don't know that. You know, I think if there's an injury, someone might trade for Greg Van Rotten, but I don't know that there's like that there's anyone who who is dying for for the injection of Greg Van Rotten on their on their offensive line right now. Um, so it's sort of you know, I, you know, I think demand will set the market. Um, and I just, you know, right now I, I have a hard time imagining that someone is going to give the Jets enough that they would weaken what has already been sort of a patchwork offensive line. You know, they're playing without Becton. Um, so Font has been in and out of the lineup. I know. So it's, and Adoga got banged up. You know, I mean, it's just, it, you know, I, I have a hard time imagining either of these guys gets traded just because of the injuries on the offensive line and because of how bad the offenses look generally, you know, to the extent that you're, you're, you're trying to rehabilitate Sam at all, you know, it, it would just be, you know, terrible to do this to him. Um, and I just also don't know that the, the value, you know, that they're going to get a lot more than a fifth or sixth round pick for Van Rotten. I think Lewis, is, I would say, is like a two. I don't think they're moving him. Um, but yeah, Van Rotten, I would say it's like a three or four just because I don't think the demand is going to be there to make it worth it. Yeah, and I think that what you said about Darnold is a really good point. If Darnold does not get traded, uh, in theory, you'd probably want to trade him in the offseason, and you don't want him getting hurt again. Uh, if you trade away some of his starting offensive linemen, it increases the likelihood that he'd get hurt. Uh, you want a guy that you know will play as well as he can down the stretch, and I think in order to do that, you want to keep his his offensive line intact. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think when the Jets traded for Lewis, I think it, Douglas was the GM at that point, right? Yeah, no, yeah. I think Douglas, the fired. first yes. two moves he did was to bring in Lewis, and then um, who's the center who used to play for Carolina? Khalil. Um, so he, yeah. he the oh, first yeah. two things he did was try to get as many offensive linemen as he could. So, yeah, so I mean, I think the fact that Douglas brought in both of these guys will make it less likely that he would move on from them that, that quickly also. Unlike a lot of the, uh, you know, Marcus May, the Marcus Mays and... You know, uh, you know, to a lesser extent, C.J. Mosley, Henry Andersons of the world, who are guys who he did not sign, who he is not wedded to, didn't scout, etc. All right, so the, let's, yeah. I think we can put these four guys together. So the last four is Bashard Perriman, Avery Williamson, Bradley McDougal, and Steve McClendon. All these guys have, don't make a lot of money this year, and they're all free agents after the season. Um, for me personally, I think McClendon is the most likely to get traded. McClendon's played pretty well this year. He's graded out as the 51st defensive uh, lineman in the league. He's 34. I mean, he probably could help a team. So I actually think that you could get like a fifth or sixth rounder. I think they would probably just do that for him. The other ones, I don't really... Maybe someone gets something up for Williamson. Maybe you could trade him too. Those two guys I think are likely. McDougal is graded as like one of the worst safeties in the league. I think he's 77th out of 83. And Perriman has not played. I don't think anyone's trading for Perriman or McDougal. But I do think that Williamson or McClendon, um, they're a little bit older. They have some decent value. I think if the Jets are truly in the tank... You could get something, and I don't think they would be looking for a huge return. So I actually think it's pretty likely um, out of all the guys we talked about, these two guys could get traded. Yeah. yeah another I, point. Oh, sorry. Uh, another point I wanted to make about McClendon too is one thing you said is that you thought they just wanted to do right by Le'Veon Bell by cutting him, and I think similarly with McClendon. McClendon's a vet, you know, I would think like a highly respected veteran. He's been in the league a long time. If you move him into a better situation and get him out of this. Uh, circus that is the New York Jets uh it's just something you want to do because I think also Douglas has to rehabilitate the Jets image and show uh players around the league that players can be taken care of and aren't going to be treated uh so badly um you know he has to make it a place that people want to say I'm sorry John I uh, cut you off what was it you want to say that uh, and guys? what I say what I want to say dovetails off of that the one thing with McClendon that makes him hard to trade I think is that he is a, a great locker room guy and my understanding is sort of one of 
the foundations. You know, he's been here through multiple regimes, um, and I think and and I think is very well respected in the locker room on the defense, especially. Uh, and so losing him, you'd you'd sort of be losing a heart and soul type guy. Um, no, I think that doing right by him is great, and I you know I I think I'm sure he would love to go to a competitor. Uh, I, I but I I do I wonder what effect that would have on morale, especially it sounds like their locker room was um, was unhappy with the bell move. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you just wonder how they would react to McClendon getting getting you know getting cut would be different. I think that that, that would be a terrible mistake. Uh, trading him maybe they would be happy for him, but I wonder how it would affect their ability. To, you know what what the team would look like as far as motivation going out to play if when you're zero and five, zero and six, zero and seven. Uh, Williamson, the other complicating factor, right, is his health. Um, he's been hurt. You know, he, 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 what he, he missed all of last year, uh, and then his he has not played. Uh, what I think two games this year he's missed. Um, I, th- I think he, he looked pretty decent last week. I think he had something like eight yeah, tackles. Looked, I, I watched uh, the which last is, week. He looked pretty good. So I mean, if he's healthy, I think that maybe he's got some value. Seven point five mil is a little high. Just you know, a, a lot of teams are really tight up against the cap right now. Um, so the Jets might have to eat some of that or figure out, you know, someone would have to get a little bit creative. Um, and again, I think some, some of this, you know, at this point, teams have their rosters. I think, you know, so guys getting hurt is, is going to be the thing that, that is most likely to make anyone get traded. Um, you know, because there, there's just, there's less turnover in the NFL than other leagues as far as players getting traded. Um, but I do think Avery Williamson is a sort of person who could get traded I would, I would call it like a five. I don't think it's likely, but I don't think it's unlikely. I just think, you know, the, the, the health issues especially are the one red flag um, that, that might make someone nervous about giving up a whole lot of capital for him, uh, given that, you know, if he gets hurt, he's not going to help you down the stretch. He's not under contract, and he's a veteran. Well said. Uh, yeah, I think I'm on the same. I think McClendon and Williamson are probably like fives. I think McDougald and Perriman are like ones. It's hard to see anybody wanting to trade for those guys. Uh, so I think that pretty much wraps up our uh, our trade value pod. I uh, wanted to thank you, John, for coming on. Uh, you provided a lot of great... You were, you were awesome. You provided a lot of great yeah, insight. Yeah, thanks for on. Welcome, welcome back anytime. You, uh, Glad to be here. <laughs> yeah, just don't make me, uh, you know, recount all the Jets horrors every time that I come on. I'm sure I could come up with a new one, but man, it's uh, it's tough to live live through the, the those moments again. That's just the Especially first time you have, thing to, you have you know. to do it. <laughs> okay, it's a little little uh, welcome to the pod hazing. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so we're we're recording this pod uh, on Sunday morning, October 18th. Uh, the Jets are uh, going to be in Miami later today. Uh, the Joe Flacco-led Jets. Uh, and any, I believe the line is uh, Miami minus eight. A- any sort of chance you think the Jets uh, win or maybe cover this game? I don't. Today, I don't. John? Oh, sorry. Yes, John. <laughs> uh, you know, cover, that, that's a huge line. The Dolphins aren't a great team. This is either going to be a week where Ryan Fitzpatrick throws for 350 yards and four touchdowns or three, tu- or three interceptions. Who's right? intercepting just, him, though? Yeah. Who's putting pressure on him? Pierre Desir loves pick sixes, all right? All he does is give up touchdowns and score touchdowns. All right. right. On that note, this was a lot of fun. Thanks again, John. Have a good one. Thanks, guys.